Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Mike, we're back with the divisional round in the National Football League. Let's get it going. The doors are open, people buying, people trying, climbing to get to the top of the world in this modern day war and it's simple timing. I'm taking my bills, she's taking some pills, he's talking behind the wheel. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Games, uh, the wild card games, I'm sorry, from last weekend, buddy. How you doing? 
I'm doing pretty good. How's it going, Scott? Uh, first off, I want to I want to wish the, everybody listening uh, and the entire crew uh, a happy belated New Year. We haven't uh, spoken with you since then, and uh, hope everything. Hope all your New Year's resolutions are going well. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, it's been forever, but uh, I'm glad to have you. Uh, glad to have you back here, Scott, and uh, glad that flu blood flu bug is. Uh, uh, got got off uh, got off your uh, shoulder. So uh, we've got a lot of games to talk about: Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Atlanta, Seattle, Chicago, Jets, New England, like you talked about. And uh, you know, where would you like to start? Well, I'm happy to be back too, buddy. Uh, we, we like to come on every single week of the year if we can, and we will try to uh, pick things back up and keep things rolling throughout the year. You know, we. Uh, we'll, we're starting our drafting coming up next week here in the Winter Survivor League over at footballguys.com. So that's my first draft of the year. It starts up here in just another week. Uh, that's why we, uh, we, get it, we get it tuned up and we get it sharp and we get it going, and that's how we're able to uh, achieve a little bit of success in some of those early drafting leagues, a.k.a. Genesis and some of the other ones that we do. Uh, but we're, we're excited about being back. Mark Ronick and the guys at Blog Talk Radio and TheFantasySportsChannel.com, uh, they keep us rolling live on FSC.FM. You can download our podcast always on your iPod or your MP3 player. You can subscribe to the podcast free of charge. Lance is in the chat room. What up, buddy? we got Wayne Ellis in the chat room, the prognosticator, several of the diehard faithfuls. Thank you uh, for being a part of the crew, the chat room here at Red vs. Blue. Uh, I also want to thank everybody for all the emails and notes that I received on message boards and forums, uh, wondering where we were at, and uh, giving us the, the kind notes. Mike, it's always nice to see those, and I, and I need to forward those to you so that you can uh, you can see what uh, how many people just appreciate this show and what we bring every single week. Uh, obviously, yeah, there's not as much just a- uh, m- as many uh, people playing fantasy football right now, but there are some playoff competitions, especially. The one we're going to talk about tonight, Alex Kaganowski is our guest, uh, owner and operator of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, Mike. You know, what started is that little playoff contest that we've played in probably that, what, the last five or six years here? Uh, it's grown yeah. to a mega contest, over 600 teams, where the top prize is now $25,000 for just a $200 entry fee. So it's pretty exciting to be a part of. It's always fun to have a crack at that. Uh, apparently my team does not have a crack at it after just one weekend, but we will see about that. We'll talk about that with Alex later on in the show. Mike, are you playing any of these uh, fantasy contests? I mean, are you are you still in it? Do you have any teams that are you feel like are still alive? No, I, my my teams uh, pretty much got blown out of the water last weekend. But uh, you know, I played in a couple with the uh, FFPC and a couple of. Uh, Couple of different ones. One from each, uh, Jim Perone, which I'd like to give props to him. Uh, he always does a great job. Um, but no, I'm I'm pretty much out of it in all of them. Uh, but uh, I have a I have a couple of friends of mine that uh, they're in it. I don't know how they're in it, but they are with uh, the addition of uh, having Marshawn Lynch and doing what he did. You know that was a that what an amazing run and. Uh, you know, that was an outstanding performance by Seattle and what they did. But uh no, my myself personally I'm I'm out. But uh, I'm looking for uh looking to see who slides in and uh who falls back because uh you know, who could happen with, with these type of uh uh contests if uh, if 
Seattle was to beat Chicago. Uh, you know, that really, uh, you know, that could change things. But would it change things that much? I don't think so. I think the biggest game would be uh, maybe Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Well, it's interesting. We uh, we we have that contest. We're going to break that down. It's it's uh, interesting that Tom Brady was the, the uh, most popular quarterback. Ray Rice was the most popular running back. Those two guys are obviously still alive. Jacob Tammy was by far and away the most popular tight end in this contest. Five hundred and fourteen teams out of some six hundred and sixty or so. And then Roddy White was the most popular wide receiver. So very interesting to see the breakdown. Fantasy Mojo. Darren Armani of FantasyMojo.com put that together, and, and it's always interesting to see how teams put together their uh, their championship rosters. Twelve teams took Mike Williams in that contest, and like you said, one owner, one owner out of 600-some teams took Marshawn Lynch. Mike, one owner took Julius Jones, who we saw last week had a big day. So, yep. uh, you know, it, it's still a little too early to tell who's going to be on that championship roster, whether it be LaDainian Tomlinson. Sixteen owners had him. It could be a Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, maybe a Rob Gronkowski, somebody like that. Uh, Pierre Garcon right, had a nice week for some owners. But, you know, hey, you know, Mike Williams and, and, You know, and, and another thing, Mike Williams, you know, just like what you were saying, I mean, these are guys that uh, you wouldn't think that would carry the carry the torch, carry the torch for their teams, but that uh, they are doing that, and uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, when I when we break down these games one by one here in the next uh, minute or so, uh, can you eliminate anybody or any player right now? Uh, it's going to be very hard to after what uh, after what Seattle did to New Orleans and. Uh, after some other games, I mean, it makes it very difficult. Well, we're going to talk about tonight. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Uh, obviously, in the New Orleans-Seattle game, a lot of teams got a good jump start uh, that took Drew Brees. I mean, he, he threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns. So you could take those points and put them in the bank. What is that? You know, 32, 33 points you got out of Drew Brees. But then again, you lose your quarterback for the rest of the competition. Now, for those teams that took Marquez Colston, uh, 119 teams took Colston, whereas uh, 239 took Reggie Bush, and Colston did outscore Reggie Bush ever so slightly. So, you know, in that essence, it's probably better if you didn't take a Saint. Maybe you took a kicker, Garrett Hartley. I know a lot of teams took the New Orleans Saints defense. But if you took Drew Brees, you got out of the gates really early, but is it going to come back and haunt you because you don't have that 30-point quarterback like maybe Drew, you know, Tom Brady's still out there, Aaron Rodgers is still going. So if you got those 30 points from Drew Brees, you got to be feeling good about it. But then again, you lost your quarterback, so I'm not so sure you wanted Drew Brees. If you, want, if you had Drew Brees, I say you're out because while it's a good score, right. you want that quarterback in that Super Bowl where you get double points. Well, exactly, and looking back on this contest, uh, when you think about the number of uh, tight ends that are really that uh, viable, who would have thought that Todd Heap would have did what he did last weekend? Who would have thought that uh, John Carlson would have did what he did? Uh, You know, when I go back and look at my tight ends and who I took, I took Tammy thinking that Tammy and Indy would beat the Jets. In hindsight, I thought it, I, I probably should have went and said, "Well, you know what? Maybe I should take a chance at uh, 
Todd Heap winning, a lot better chance, or maybe even uh, John Carlson, get my cheapie out of the way with John Carlson because Carlson, uh, he went off. So uh, it's hard to figure out that tight end position uh, in the way it went down last weekend. Yeah, Jacob Tammy, 514 teams took Jacob Tammy. Uh, we've got Lance in the chat room who has a, a good squad with Drew Brees, sitting at number 27 overall, scoring 95 points. Uh, and his saving grace, if it's anybody, is going to be Rob Gronkowski. I mean, a lot of people are talking up Rob Gronkowski as maybe the dark horse yeah. or the or the special dagger that you're waiting for because at one and a half points per reception, you know, five catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown, you know, that's a that's a nice 20-point game you're getting out of him to compete. So if you got your points out of Breeze, maybe Gronkowski, uh, maybe Brady can have a pedestrian effort where he only gets 20 or 25 points and Gronkowski can hold serve, so to speak, with the other New England Patriots players, Wes Welker being one, maybe, you know, Aaron Hernandez. There's only five Hernandez owners. I'd be pretty excited if I was a Hernandez owner about now because he can get hot too and get a couple well, of touchdowns. Well, Hernandez is kind of hurt right now. Uh, they're going to they're gonna lean on uh, Welker and uh, Gronkowski right now. Yeah, he is a, he is a little banged up, uh, but it does sound like uh, he is he is going to play. Um, I, I, I think he's back in the fold, and he is healthy, ready for the Jets. So, but again, it's just one of those things that you didn't know that at the time when you took your team, so you probably took the safe route, in which most people did. Ninety-seven teams took Gronkowski, but let's start with this uh, Saints uh, Seahawks game, Mike. It was obviously the surprise of the weekend, and I got to tell you, you know, Marshawn Lynch, the last two years, you know, a real frustrating experience for him, and then to have that one amazing moment where he had a 67-yard touchdown run, fourth quarter, put the game on ice, and it was just such a huge moment for him and for that team. The Saints uh, had just scored ten straight points. They, you know, they looked like they were going to come back and get these Seahawks, and then all of a sudden a guy who had fell off the earth with Buffalo and he completely – uh, it fell off with the substance abuse uh, with a little team. He only averaged three and a half yards a carry. He fumbled, and then here you go. Uh, he's pretty much guaranteed himself a contract, a, a much better contract with the Seahawks on that basis of that one run, and and they got it done. Well, you know, Scott, he became a legend in Seattle uh, with that one run. That was that was amazing what I saw. Uh, Stiff arm Porter, uh, I mean, stiff arm Porter like he was nothing. And Porter just went to the ground like, I can't believe what just hit me. And he just kept moving and just breaking off one after another. I mean, he broke off eight tackles. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's another 11 players that could have taken care of three other players. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing run, and uh, it was a, adrenaline filled. And you could tell uh, Marshawn Lynch has uh, maybe found his home in Seattle, but that's way too early, way too early to tell. But it was uh, it, w- it was very exciting to watch, and uh, you know I, I still can't believe that uh, Seattle beat New Orleans, but uh, Seattle was prepared. And Matt Matt Hasselbeck, guys, I'm I'm going to tell you he you you don't want to have him as an owner but he he, he can be rock solid when it comes down to it and uh, th- that team came together and the 12th man was on their side so uh 
That worked out for him, but what a great run by Marshawn. Yeah, Matt Hasselbeck, you just mentioned him. You know, he definitely earned a starting job somewhere in 2011. Uh, he's only five years removed from taking that team, uh, taking the team to the Super Bowl, but it doesn't seem like that. I mean, his passer rating has averaged in the mid-70s since then, and he's spent a lot of time with injuries. But what a what a game. He just reminded everybody how good he can be. Four touchdown passes, 113 passer rating. I mean, he's not an Hall of Fame guy. He probably won't ever lead another team to a Super Bowl. But he's going to be a starter in this league for another couple of years. As long as he can be healthy, uh, some team like San Francisco or somebody like that that needs a quarterback, he's going to be right. maybe Minnesota, maybe Miami or something. Somebody's going to come along and say, you know what, lead our team to the playoffs too, William, because Athabat's got enough left in the tank. He definitely showed that. On the other side of the ball, Mike, the New Orleans Saints, you know, I think they've tried to show us. I had this conversation with a couple of friends before the playoffs. I'm like, this isn't the same Saints team. I really didn't want to take a Saints player because I'm just looking and I'm like, you know, I, I, I was bounced out of my Survivor League this year, Mike, by not taking, uh, by, you know, I saw the game. It was uh, Drew Brees against Arizona. They were playing Max Hall. I said, no way Max Hall beats a Drew Brees. Well, guess what? They did. And then, you know, uh, here we go. Uh, they played the, the Cleveland Browns against Colt McCoy, and Colt McCoy beat them. You know, and I'm like, man, that's that's very odd to see the Saints lose to teams like Arizona and the Browns with these quarterback yeah. questions. And, and and here you go. They didn't have the same team. They, they should have lost to Cincinnati. They could have lost to San Francisco. He threw a ton of interceptions this year. The running game was banged up. And they were coming off a terrible loss against Tampa, but nobody batted an eye and thinking about that they weren't going to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody was like, well, this is still the playoff. It's still Drew Brees. You've got the great coaching. But they were not the same team as they were in 2009. No, no they, they weren't. They weren't. Uh, you know what, Scott? Uh, the one thing that uh, I think that cut into their uh, uh, inconsistency or consistency, so to speak, was their uh, lack of running game. They were never able to rely on that running game uh, to where they could get that done. Uh, their defense was always suspect. Uh, for whatever reason, and, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. And another thing, Scott, that we need to think about is uh, strength of schedule. New Orleans' strength of schedule uh, the year before this year was a lot easier than it was this year. I mean, that that makes that, that goes into play because the NFL always, always does that. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of factors, but the bottom line – the bottom line factor for New Orleans, in my opinion, was they did not have a consistent running game that you could rely on. They did not have Pierre Thomas healthy all year long that they could rely on. You know, and I love Sean Payton, right? I mean, what a great coach he is. The play, you know, the play calling that he has, I don't question this guy, and he's a great leader. And he went for it on fourth and one down in his own end, you know, in the third quarter. You know, you could go for it, but right. you got Drew Brees. And you hand the ball off to Julius Jones when you got Drew Brees behind center, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, and then you got the two-point conversion to cut it to three at the end, and they hand it off to Deshaun Wynn. I mean, a guy, he's been in the Saints unit for, like, what, five days? So, I mean, there's a right. couple of plays that, that didn't really jive with me if you're the – 
if you're the type of coach that Sean Payton claim, you know, has shown us that he can be, it just seemed a little risky on my uh, well, on I my think, end. You know, I think he went he went outside of his box, and you know, he he probably thought, well, you know, let's try this, and uh, but you know, in in that situation, you really can't just quote try this. You got to go with with what's got you there, and. Uh, you know, you were talking just a second ago. I'm going to switch gears on you, Scott, uh, about Hasselback um, being a game manager. Uh, game managers can win Super Bowls. Uh, just ask Trent Dilfer. And, you know, that that will be interesting to see what uh, what Hasselback does uh, with that. But, uh, you know, going back to that uh, New Orleans-Seattle game, uh, Seattle beat them. Seattle beat them in every way, shape, and form. Uh New Orleans was not ready. They were not ready for what they were going to get, and uh, I don't know if uh, Chicago is going to be ready. Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, the, the Saints definitely, they missed their two best running backs there with Pierre Thomas and then Chris Ivory because Reggie Bush is not one. Everybody bought into the Reggie Bush hype because they saw the receptions in that last game, but Reggie Bush is not the running back you expect, and, and obviously that, that drop early in the first quarter on the pass that let him – Toward the end zone would have been a TD. That cost the Saints some points. Uh, Julius Jones was obviously a better back than Reggie Bush in the game. They really missed those backs. That, and I'll tell you what, that, that 12th man for Seattle, man, that quest field, i tell you what, that, sure. what a great place to play football that is. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they just really put it to the Saints. They gave their best game after that. John Carlson came out of nowhere and, and the other thing is, you know, we should have known this because the Bears have had a horseshoe up their butts for, like, all year long. And you knew, you know, I didn't take any Bears on my team because I, I was like, no way that Jay Cutler, you know, is going to beat Drew Brees in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. And, and now they don't even have to face, get to face the Seahawks. So it's just one of those things that they, it, it, was, it was bound to be. Let's move on to the next game, Mike. Um You've got Rex Ryan uh, took it to uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, oddly enough, Rex Ryan uh, got the W. Peyton Manning came up small in the big game in the playoffs. He didn't look uh, – I mean, it wasn't bad, 18-22, 225 yards. But for the first time all year, the Colts offense produced just one touchdown. It was their worst effort, and it, and it happened in the playoffs. So, you know what, this team – uh, does a lot in the regular season, and they're very inconsistent in the postseason. It just happens year after year. He didn't get any well, help from Reggie Wayne. Uh, Revis definitely did his job. But then again, I don't think Manning really went toward him that much. And then credit the defense uh, for the Jets. Credit LT, finally. A playoff moment that you could be proud of. Rex Ryan looks like a genius for bringing this guy in. And now he goes into Foxborough to try to help knock off this team. That's really hard at him to play off during the San Diego years. That game, uh, that game was hard nosed. Uh, that reminds me of what may happen uh, with Baltimore and Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow. Uh, that was hard nosed defense the entire time. The one thing that really surprised me was they didn't go to Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne, he he was targeted I think twice, maybe three times at best, and. How in the heck is your number one receiver targeted only two or three times? Uh, another thing that really got me in this game was the fact that uh, the Jets, they just they, they stuck to their deal 
on what they wanted to do running and uh, with a little pass here, a little pass there. Uh, Crawford, uh, boy, I don't get that one. I really do not get that one. Uh, Calling the timeout uh, like that. Uh, But the one thing about that game that really solidifies everything in a football game that everybody needs to remember, I don't care. It's 60 minutes, guys, and that kickoff return is being so under the radar because if 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 he gets the kickoff and if the uh, Colts stop him at say the twenty twenty five yard line, that's a big difference than him, him running to the thirty eight forty yard line. Yeah, you know what? Uh, obviously, Adam Vinatieri still clutch. The offensive line of the Jets—they were the story of the game. They really came out. Uh, took it to the uh, – they won the battle on the offensive line and on the defensive line. The Jets really did. At, at halftime, I wasn't all that worried because they really looked like they were playing well. Um, and and they're, de- they're definitely going to uh, have to put a little bit of everything at Tom Brady this week uh, just to even have a chance. So this, that game, what more can you say? LT did his role. Sanchez did just what he had to do to get the W. Didn't do too much. Wasn't ever asked to do too much. And uh, there were some questionable play calls there on both sides of the field, and the Jets came out on top. It, it, it's kind of what we've seen from the Colts in the past, so it's not a huge surprise. Aaron no. Rodgers, on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers got the monkey off of his back, Mike. Uh, he looked great. Uh, this was a game that could have went either way. I was very afraid to take Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs because it just seemed a little risky to me to have to go into Philly and beat them after never winning a playoff game. And you know what? Don't look now, but they have a running game after all. Mike James Starks, the sixth-round pick out of Buffalo, uh, comes up with 100 yards rushing. Uh, Hello. This team could be very, very dangerous. 123 yards on 23 carries, five and a half yards a carry, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that was a solid game by uh, Green Bay. And, uh, you know, it's funny you said uh, Aaron Rodgers finally got the monkey off his back. I mean, how many times does he have to get the monkey off his back? Uh, he's Aaron Rodgers, he's been a solid quarterback for a couple of years now, and he's continuing through the playoffs. Um, and they're in a situation to where they're going to Atlanta and uh, a half-point favorite, and Green Bay is the road team. Uh, so, like you said, I mean, they have incorporated some of the run game uh, that's going to make them make them better. Uh, but I still, I still like Atlanta in this game. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, his monkey, in my opinion, has been off his back for a long time. He is a, solidified as a great quarterback in the NFL. Well, and there's a lot of players that uh, fancy players that took Michael Vick. There's players that took Lashawn McCoy. And that rushing defense, that rushing attack, that looked tremendous this season. I mean, they really did. The Philadelphia's rushing attack looked so multidimensional. They were very explosive. They could do really whatever they wanted to do. Look, McCoy finished 12 attempts, 46 yards. Uh, He averaged 5.2 yards per attempt in the regular season. But Green Bay uh, and and Vic, Vic was held out, you know, uh, ran for 33 yards after running for, for, you know, a thousand yards this year. Uh, You know, they just really didn't do much. Green Bay defense deserves a lot of credit. You've got to give a lot of credit to that front seven uh, 
they they allowed only five of 13 third downs. I mean, that's that's real good. And, uh, man, I, I was really impressed with that. I was really upset with James Jones, too, man. Did you see that drop ball? I mean, how can you yeah. not catch the ball? That was that was a perfectly thrown ball, and he just dropped it. That game could have got out of hand easy on that touchdown. So, you know, I don't know. On, on the Philly side of the ball, I only saw, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, this is the guy that he's the playmaker, and you couldn't get him the ball. Uh, I mean, it's clear that he's the best offensive player with Vic, I mean, right there with him. And, you know, you've got to get this guy the ball and involved for Philadelphia really to be a, to be the type of team that they need well, to be. Scott, Scott, it looked like to me that uh, Mike Vick, uh, I mean, he had a wonderful season. But last week it looked like to me he was falling back into his old habits of just being careless. And, uh, you know, I'm not blaming this on Vick and – but it, it still looked like to me that he was just being careless in his decision-making on second, third downs, uh, where, you know, a lot of things could have been done uh, that could have been a little bit more, uh, I guess, conservative at the time. And I don't think that uh, they made that happen. You know, the the, the part about Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know who his favorite receiver is, Mike? It's the open one. The open one. The open. I love it. He throws, he throws to whoever whoever is out there. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that those touchdowns are going to come left and right. You don't know where it's going to go. And, and, and if Finley was out there, man, what a complete offense this would be. They've got the quarterback. They've got the defense. They've got the momentum. And uh, wow, they have a great team in front of them. Uh, Matty Ice is going to have to do everything he can do to, um, you know. Well, we'll talk about that game here in a little bit when we break it down. Matty Ice is going to have to do everything he can to stop to stop that team. Then finally this week, Mike, Kansas City against the Ravens. I think Kansas City was finally exposed this week, right? Their week schedule left them totally unprepared for the rock-solid Ravens. They, they played the fewest quality teams of anybody this year. They only played three quality teams, and they went one and two in those games. Uh, in Baltimore, look, they're like no other team in the league. There's never a week where they come out and completely lay an egg, where whether it's offense, defense, special teams, they stay in every single game. Matt Castle, his return to form came at the worst possible time. Dwayne Bow pulls another disappearing act. And uh, here you've got the play calling of Haley taking over Charlie Weiss. That was a big mistake. It's just a whiff after a whiff here. And the Ravens, all they had to do is just, stay in their game plan, uh, play their game, and they had this W wrapped up. Really, by halftime, you could kind of see where this thing was going to go. Yeah, you did. And uh, But uh, Kansas City, uh, if you're a Kansas City fan, you have a lot to build on. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got a ton of things that uh, they can work on. Uh, I know it doesn't feel good right now to, as, you know, to watch – to watch the rest of the NFL season, the postseason, go by your, you know, just just watch it. But but still, they've got a really good team, and uh, you know, if I'm a Kansas City fan, you got to build on and feel happy about what you've seen and uh, move forward from there. But you still got to get into the the class of Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and I, you know, I don't know how they're going to do that, but uh, you know, it's just building within. You got your picks ready, Mike. I know you've been. I know you. Th- I know you probably yes, have to I go do. here tonight. You've got a busy day tomorrow. Uh, go yes, ahead and run your picks by us. 
You want me to lay them on you right now, Scott? Yeah, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Well, go ahead and start with that game. All right. Well, uh, right now, uh, Baltimore, uh, Pittsburgh is uh, three and a half, our three-point favorite. Uh, they're minus 120, and the uh, over and under is 37. So that's a lean toward Pittsburgh. That game could go to three and a seven, or to three and a half. Uh, I love Baltimore straight up. I'm going to take the money line on Baltimore. Uh, Green Bay, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta minus one and a half. Over and under is 43 and a half. Uh, like I said, I like Atlanta. I like Atlanta. They 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 just have too much at home. They don't lose. Uh, they've got too much in the running game, too much in the uh, receiving game, too much in the passing game. And the lack thereof of Green Bay running game just leans me toward Atlanta. So uh, You're I'm going to take Baltimore money line. Uh, Atlanta, minus the one and a half. And uh, I'm going to throw in one other, and that's uh, Seattle, Chicago. Uh, the over and under is 42. Uh, I like the under. I, I don't see many points being scored at all. There's no way Seattle is going to score that many points the way they did against New Orleans, against Chicago. Uh, so, like I said, uh, Chicago may win this game. They will, They may win it by 10. But this game will go under the 42. That's just my three-teamer. Mike, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, buddy. I know you got a busy day uh, tomorrow. Yeah. I hope you get a chance to uh, check out those games tomorrow. They start at 4.30. Uh, two big games tomorrow on the slate, buddy. I hope you uh, hope you make some money, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week, my man. All right. Hey, Scott and, uh, and the crew, thanks a lot for everything, and uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, Alex, uh, have a good time tonight, and keep – Keep Scott in check, will you? We do have uh, we do have to welcome Alex Kaganowski here. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Michael Trent is uh, is going to take off, and we're going to pick up right where he left off with a uh, with a with a fellow. <laughs> Alex Kaganowski joins us, founder and uh, owner of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Alex, how are you tonight, buddy? Just uh, give me a warning next time you're going to do that in my ear, please. <laughs> well, I had to let the world know that where your loyalties do lie, you're a New York guy. I know you like the Giants, but you definitely, out of these eight playoff teams, you're rooting for the Jets. Go on, be honest. Uh, well, I have never really rooted against the Jets, quite frankly. I, I've never rooted for them. I was always, you know, I was just like neutral whenever they played. I mean, you know, if they're in a tight game, you know, maybe I'll root kind of for them to, to pull it out. But uh, they're making it real hard to root for them uh, now, uh, you know, with Ryan and, and Cromartie talking his big mouth. I mean, I, to me, that's not, that's like, that's NBA, you know, uh, that that's just not that's not football. That's not as a Giant fan. That's not what I'm used to. Well, I tell you, Cromartie's comments I had a problem with too as a Jets fan. I, I don't like to see that, and, and uh, you know, I like I like to I like the guys like Jason Taylor, uh, Ladainian Thompson. Well, they'll do their talking on the field. You know, the Patriots have always done that too, and I think that's how championship teams do it. But Rex Ryan doesn't bother me nearly as much as, as Cromartie's comments. Rex Ryan, matter of fact, there's definitely some mutual respect uh, from Bill Belichick because of how he handled it. Uh, you know, apparently, you know, these are guys that that, that generally do, uh, you know, Bill Belichick respects the Ryan family, and, and they do, 
they do. There is some there is some mutual um, respect there on the coaching side of the ball, and you wouldn't have seen Belichick remark so uh, lightheartedly to those comments if he had a problem. If he had a problem, you would have just seen him get real quiet and and probably not uh, commented at all. But you saw him have a little bit of fun with it, so I, I think that kind of quells down the Ryan side, the Cromartie side. That's the last thing you want to do is give Tom Brady any kind of extra ammo because this guy is obviously, you know, the, the the next great thing in football. And, and to give him a little more uh, ammunition, I, I just don't think is a wise move. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as Belichick goes, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I could tell when, when the guy's, uh, you know, when the, when the guy's just, uh, uh, I don't know, angry or <laughs> when the guy's just being uh, silly or, you know, or, or, or uh, kind of blowing something off. I don't know. Uh, I, I but from looking at Ryan, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's his personality that kind of bothers me a little bit, and and not that his personality bothers me, but his personality for an NFL coach is what bothers me. Um, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy. He seems like a you know fun-loving guy. I enjoyed uh, the uh, Hard Knocks, and I think that's for, that was pretty cool. But uh, you know, for a coach to really talk that way, to be so you know, I, I don't know, so. Uh, uh, cocky. Um, I mean, think back of all the coaches that have been uh, uh, winning Super Bowls that have had, you know, coaching just great teams in the past. I mean, do any of them? Do, do, does Ryan remind you of any of them, even remotely? I, he just doesn't come across as a type of coach that will be a winner in the NFL. That's just, that's my personal opinion. You think he's good for the league or bad for the league? Oh no, I don't think he's bad for the league. I think he's fine. I just don't, you know, I just don't think he's a, he has the win, winning character, the winning personality in the NFL. Well, hey, tonight we're talking with Alex Kaganowski, owner and founder of the uh, Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, you just crowned a couple of uh, you crowned a world uh, champion in the uh, for 2010 in the FFPC and in the FPC. So I got to ask you. What did it feel like to write two one hundred thousand dollar checks? Because <laughs> writing has got to be—I uh, mean, there's got to be some real enjoyment uh, to be able to, to build a contest, create a contest uh, that you feel is a um, an asset to the fantasy football community, and then to award those checks and get those off in the mail. That's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it's funny you ask, and you know, obviously we didn't plan this, you and I, but. Uh... I really get a lot of enjoyment out of writing those checks, and, and I don't um, write them anymore. I did year one, but uh, you know we have the electronic checks. But you know I, I do print them out, I do sign them, and 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 um, I do stuff them in in, in the envelope myself, um, and and I put the uh, you know and I mail them, and I get a lot of enjoyment out of doing that. And uh, yeah, seeing those two uh, two hundred thousand dollar checks go out, actually uh, I just finished stuffing about 175 envelopes for the football guys players championship with all those checks and they're ready to go out uh tomorrow or the following day and yeah it feels really good i I love it i love sending those checks because i know you know those guys are going to get them they're going to be really happy to see them you know they'll be happy to because they're coming early uh i actually spoke to um i exchanged an email uh with uh, John Haskell, our uh, FIPC winner, and uh, I asked him what he's going to do with the money, and he told me that he said, I mean, this is his words, that this is truly life-changing money for him. And, I mean, to hear that, 
you know, and a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it is a lot of money, but you know, it's certainly not life changing for everyone. But to hear that the the champion, the guy who did win it, you know, his life is going to be impacted, you know, that much by that money, and it's great. It's really, it was incredible to hear that. Yeah, John's a tremendous asset to the fantasy football community, and, and, and congratulations to him again for that uh, for taking down and being the third ever fantasy football players championship uh, grand champion. Yeah, no. I, I just thought about that. I hadn't, like I said, I, I, we hadn't talked about that, but I, I thought about that before we went on the air, and I'm like, you know, it's got to feel pretty cool because, you know, writing payroll checks are, are one thing uh, after in, if for, a, for a company that's successful. You know, it, it always feels feels good to make sure that everybody gets paid, but uh, a winner of, of an event, you know, $100,000, and to hear that that's life-changing, that, that, does, that does sound pretty cool. Well, let's, let's move on because this contest that you created several years ago uh, started off as a, uh, as a as a nice little uh, manual type contest that we we kind of had to uh, enter in all the teams and then you know uh, you had to manage the money and then send out a, a check for you know two or three grand well, I think we got it up to five grand one year you got it up to and that's when we took it down several years ago and now what what's five grand what's that like the fourth or fifth top prize and now the top prize is over twenty five thousand it's just incredible what this uh, contest has become talk about this contest and the success of it, and, and what you see uh, so far in, in 2010. Well, those of those of uh, those who are listening in, in, in the chat room and uh, who will be listening later on, uh, remember in 2003, I um, I started this contest, and I think it was a hundred bucks back then, and uh, we had maybe 40 entries, and yes, we did. Uh, we had our old friend Rob Benetti. He uh, had uh, he used Excel right. spreadsheets. Yeah, to score them and keep the scoring and everything. We didn't even use like a league uh, commissioner site, you know, to uh, uh, you know to put the teams in. So it started back then in 2003. You know, I ran it for a few years, and then the FFPC came along, and I decided to make it an FFPC event. And uh, last year we had 182 teams, which, by the way, we thought was just unbelievable. Like, oh my God, we got 192 teams. In the playoff challenge, you know, the FFPC is really contributing to the growth of this event. And this year, we, we thought we'd have a good chance at 300, and we went to 650. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and you know, it's partially due to our, our, to our partnership with, with footballguys.com and, and uh, you know, the, the, the great marketing power that they, uh, that they have and, um, you know, a lot of the customers that came as a result. Uh, hearing it uh, from them, but uh, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, 650 teams. I mean, and most of the, all this money is going. I mean, there's no league prizes, you know, so all this money is basically going to the overall, uh, the overall prizes, and we're paying down to 80 spots. I mean, it's it's sick. It's really it's incredible. Over a hundred thousand dollars is going to be paid out in this in this contest. Uh, I think a hundred and Hundred and ten thousand is gonna get paid out paid out. It's incredible. Yeah, this it's a great contest. You you've got a lot of fond memories uh that are being brought up in the chat room here, uh, from the crew and uh from, from Lance and others and uh it is a it's a fun contest. Just basically the breakdown is you pick a player off of each NFL team, uh or, or you fill the full team, a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers a tight end, two flex positions, could be running back, wide receiver, or tight end, a kicker and a defense. So that's a 10-man roster, but there's 12 playoff teams. So 
the strategy comes in from a lot of different angles. Which two teams do you leave off? Which two teams do you make your kicker in your defense? And then finally, the uh, the big the big uh, the big rule in the whole thing that means the most to your strategy is the double points in the Super Bowl. And, right. and that's always the twist that that makes things really interesting in, in how you construct that team. That's correct. And uh, you know, I I uh, I don't want to give away. I, I think as as an operator of this contest, and I do have some thoughts about strategy as well. Um, you know, I don't think I should be giving away too much of my own thoughts on this contest. But I think the basic, like you said, the basics are, you know, you first have to determine which two teams you're going to leave off your 10-man roster, and that's where you start. And I think the idea is is to advance eight players into next week. Uh, I believe that should be your ultimate goal. And the the second ultimate goal with the double points for Super Bowl is to have the highest score, well, first of all, you want to have both players in the Super Bowl, uh, both teams in the Super Bowl, and you want to have the highest scoring player in the Super Bowl if possible. So usually that's a quarterback or sometimes a wide receiver or a running back, and uh, so that's what you want to have. So that, you know, those are the three keys to winning this uh, to winning this contest because, I mean, based on history, that, at least based on history, that's what's won in the past. Now, oh, uh, we, we, oh, said, we said we could we would talk about my team a little bit and, and how it went wrong from the very beginning. But, you know, I took Brady on my team thinking that, uh, you know, Breeze and Rodgers uh, or that Rodgers would be a little too risky. My dad really wanted Rodgers on there, and, and we talked about it, and we said it was just a little too risky with the, with the Eagles game. So we went another direction because we couldn't really figure out who we were going to take off of, the, off of the Patriots if we didn't take Brady. So we decided to go with Brady. Uh, that meant you have to take somebody off of Green Bay uh, if you think Green Bay is going to win the game and leave somebody off of Philly because, obviously, if Philly wins the game and you don't have Michael Vick, you know, you're probably dead in the water. So so we left off Green Bay or we left off Philly we, or we used Acres, and he didn't do anything. He missed a couple of kicks. That really cost you in these playoffs. A couple of missed kicks can be the difference between you cashing or not. Um, right. And I know this year you're, you're, you're paying down to 80, uh, but my first week, Nobody really did anything, and that's the problem. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense, I took them on a whim over the Bears just because I thought the Bears had no shot of winning. I gave the Chiefs a little bit of a better shot than the Bears against the Saints. That came back to bite me. Jennings didn't do anything. Cammy really didn't do anything. You had to have Garcon from the Colts to really mount up to anything. And so all I'm left with are a bunch of guys that everybody else has, Jennings, Roddy, Brady, um, uh, I forget the the main guy. Oh, Ray, Ray Rice. He's the most popular. And then and then I've got Santonio Holmes. He's the only dark horse. And, and you say that I don't have any shot at being in the top eighty. Uh, you you leave any room for error in there? I mean, can Holmes lead me uh, to a comeback victory here? Uh, you know, you have an outside chance. Uh, you know, you, you probably need like three or four things to happen, and I think all three of those things are, you know kind of long shot. So, you know, like Seattle beating the Bears and San Antonio um Holmes uh scoring, you know, probably in his, in the 20s and moving on. Uh and, you know, some other players that you don't have not scoring that much. So, you know, you 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 need a lot bunch of things to happen, but the thing that allows you to even be in a, I think talking about possibly having a chance is the fact that um, 
only two teams out of 650 plus advanced eight players into this uh, follow into the second week of the playoffs, uh, which great. I think the odds alone of that are just astronomical. And but the reason why that happened is because almost everyone had a saint on their roster, and um, and which, so they lost the player. So basically. Uh, you don't. Uh, I mean, those two teams with eight, you know, obviously have a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, then you have some teams with 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 seven that uh, are probably in a really good position. But then even teams like yours with six, you know, have a shot to move into the top eighty. But I think it, you know, it's got to be a perfect storm. I, I personally don't. I think the odds are less than three percent for you. Yeah, that's too bad. I, I look at the uh, San Antonio Holmes pick, and that, that's that's my only uh, that's my only saving grace. I've got another team I want you to kind of take a look at and give your your odds here. Uh, another team that uh, emailed our show and said, you know, break it down for us. He has 81 points already, uh, so he's got a decent start there with Rogers and Ray Rice already. Charles went, Tammy went, and the Saints. Those guys are gone. So he's got Rogers, Mendy. Mendenhall, Ray Rice, Wes Welker, Roddy White, and Robbie Gold. Six players left with Rodgers, 81 points. Does that team have a shot? Well, it's got, it probably has a slightly more of a shot than yours, only because he's got, uh, what, about 13 points on you? Yep. Right. right. And also, I think it sounds like he can he could move four players forward into the following week. Isn't that isn't that correct? Because he could. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's got a bear. Because he's got a bear, right? So you don't have a bear. That that that's your problem, or a seahawk. So that's kind of your your biggest problem there. And um, so yeah, he definitely has a shot because he can move four players. But you know he's behind the eight ball because his six players. He only has six players. He's going to go up against hundreds of teams with seven, and that sixth player is Gould. And you know that's not going to help either. So I put his chances maybe at around. Uh, if you're at three, he's probably at seven percent. Yeah, I think the teams that you like the most right now, obviously, are Matt Forte. Uh, however, they can go one and out, and then you're looking at teams that uh, the majority of teams in this thing will only have three guys. Because let's just face it, there's not a lot of Seahawks players that were selected. I think I counted twelve: Mike Williams, one Marshawn Lynch, a couple of Seattle defense and maybe nine mark. There's not a lot of Seattle players, so I think all the fantasy community are rooting for the Seahawks to win that game. Whether or not they can do it is um, is yet to be seen, but let's talk about that game. we got ten minutes left in the show. we got four games to break down. Seahawks at Seattle. Now, I- I'd love for you to raise your hand if you had the Seahawks with the money line. <laughs> you know, Matt Hasselback and Marshawn, we talked about them earlier in the show, and they put up 41 on the defending champs. Uh, but it really felt like lightning in a bottle. You can't you, you can't count them out this week uh, against the heavily favored Bears, you know, because of one reason. I see Chicago, Alex, and then I'll let you speak on this. They've got a critical weakness that's going to cost them over sometime over the next two weeks, whether it be this week or next week. They've got the worst offensive line in football. They can't run the ball. They're 23rd in the league in running. They can't protect the passer. On dropbacks, they're dead last in the league, and they can't convert those critical third downs all throughout the year. They're 27th in the league in that. So 
they've already exploited Chicago once this year. They dropped Cutler six times in that game, including once for a safety, if you remember. It's a long time ago, but I don't know if I expect Seattle to win, but I think they've got a puncher's chance in this game. I'm going to take Chicago, but I'm real hesitant. I want to root for the Seahawks. Yeah, I actually agree with you there. I think uh, after seeing the Seahawks win, and, you know, I, I maybe uh, some people would say, oh, I'm not surprised. I mean, Seattle, the 12th man, so on and so forth. But um, I was surprised. Um, but now after seeing that um, I, and basically looking at Cutler on the other side, because, I mean, to me, that's the great equalizer for Seattle. Um and that gives them the punch's chances. That Cutler, um, is he at a playoff game? Uh, I don't think so. And um, I'm asking. I really don't. I don't remember. I don't think he's been in the playoffs. And and you know, I mean, that guy's just. He could have a really terrible game. And you know, the guy. Uh, he's shown that he could be rattled. You know, he's shown that uh, mentally. You know, he uh, is probably not. Uh, uh, not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So. And that's kind of what you need in the playoffs. So I think if, if Seattle is going to is going to lose, it's going to be. Uh, I mean, Seattle is going to win. It's probably going to be uh, more thanks to Cutler than anything else. All right, give us your winner there. So I, did, I didn't hear who you took. I'll take Seattle. I'll definitely oh, take Seattle. Right. Well, plus the ten. I'll take them plus the ten for sure. But but uh, I think they could win the game for sure. Yeah. Great games tomorrow. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I want to want to go to that game. Uh, Pittsburgh, look, best run defense in the league. That is the main stat for me, 3.0 yards per attempt. That is efficiency. Um, the run defense, I think they'll render the Ravens' offense one-dimensional on Saturday again, right? I mean, Baltimore, they love to run the ball. They ran the ball 487 times this year, but they don't run the ball well, particularly. 3.7 yards per carry. And, look, when I look at that and I'm looking at these stats, only four teams in the league ran the ball less effectively. So when I look at the two games against the Steelers, the Ravens ran the ball 47 times, 113 yards. When I do that math, that's dismal 2.4 yards per attempt in one touchdown. That's not a winning formula. So Baltimore's hopes hinge on the ability of Joe Flacco to carry this team I tell you what, it's hard to see that happening, especially with Palomalu-type defense and Flacco's limited success when I've seen him, you know, pass the ball in his six playoff games. He's got three TDs and six picks. So, on the other side of the ball, I'm looking at Ben Roethlisberger, and he's a proven big-game performer. He's 8-2 and two in the playoffs, and he's coming off one of the best scoring drives ever in Super Bowl history against the Cardinals the last time we saw him in the postseason. So, Look, he's far and away the he's more productive than anybody gives him credit for. Uh, he, he he averages eight yards per pass attempt in his career. It's the fifth highest mark in the NFL history. He he's not Peyton Manning, he's not Drew Brees, but this guy is definitely a quarterback that can lead that defense to a win. I'm going to take Pittsburgh, and I'm not really afraid to do so. Um, when I look at Pittsburgh, um, I and I, I've seen some of their games, and there's been games they haven't looked so good, and, and then there's been games that they've looked absolutely dominant. I, I think that they, when they uh, play to their potential on both sides of the ball, they are probably the best team in football, better than New England, in my opinion. The problem 
with them, and the reason why they become inconsistent sometimes is because of that terrible offensive line. I think they lost the tackles early in the year, both tackles, I believe. Um, I haven't really been – I don't know if, if it was for the, for the entire year, but but I know that their uh, offensive line is just terrible, which, by the way, isn't hasn't uh, really affected Roethlisberger that much. But it does disrupt the flow of the game, of course, and, you know, the offense will, will suffer slightly. And I think that's what's happening uh, with Pittsburgh is their offense has not been very consistent. Their defense, when Paul is playing and everyone else is healthy, I mean, you know, you know what you're going to get out of them. So so it's all about the offensive line. And, and um, uh, Baltimore, on the other side, isn't really hasn't really brought the pressure this year at all and hasn't had the type of – the sack uh, numbers that you would expect from a defense uh, of their of their uh, of their caliber, and I think that you know if that offensive line for Pittsburgh could you know hold his own. I mean, because Roethlisberger, I mean Roethlisberger could get sacked three four times a game and still win the game. Uh, but if they could keep it down to one or two sacks or even three sacks, you know, not in crucial situations, uh, I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh takes this game. I'm right there with you. Green Bay at Atlanta. We've got two minutes left in the program. This is a coin flip if you've ever seen a game. Uh, Green Bay, the number one pass defense in football. They're a formidable threat, especially against this passing attack of Matt Ryan. I mean, he's Matty Ice. He gets a lot of credit. You know, you got to deserve that. But he's a clutch player. But, look, when I look at these stats, 6.49 yards per pass attempt this year. That puts Matt Ryan 26th in the league. That's just a shade above Sean Hill. So when I look at that and I look at this Green Bay defense, they struggle to get the ball downfield. All you got to do is shut down Roddy White, and then you're going to ask Michael Turner to beat the Green Bay defense. I don't think it's the same Michael Turner that we've been used to seeing. He's definitely slowed down this year. He got his touchdown, thank God. Uh, I got that ticket. I got a cash now. But He's not the same player. It's not the same. Uh, it's, this team doesn't have proven uh, experience here. Green Bay doesn't either, but I love that defense. I'm going to take Green Bay to win on the road in advance. Yeah, I think that's six and a half uh, yard per play stat, or um, is it, was it six and a half yards? I think it's a little deceptive because, I mean, you, you're looking at a team that uh, it's not like Atlanta has struggled moving the ball, but I think that what they do is they, they just have that short passing game. I mean, you know, they, they don't have a running back that uh, uh, that has a high yard per carry average. So, uh, you know, they, they, you know, it's very similar to, uh, to, uh, to a, um, maybe an offense like, uh, uh, like Philadelphia that uses, that uses the passing game, you know, a short passing game and, you know, kind of, it's almost like a running or becomes like a running game. So I think that's what happens with, uh, with Atlanta, but quite frankly, I mean that team is is not very flawed on either side of the ball, and you know they're playing at home. I think you know they're probably the better team, although Green Bay is probably the more you know explosive team. Or uh, I don't know, I, it, it's very tough to pick for me. I saw Matty Ice, I mean Matt Ryan, uh, he's looking better and better every year. Uh, and and I saw him that one game I think against Baltimore. He played almost a perfect game uh, this year. Was it against the Saints? I forget. No, I think it was against Baltimore. I mean, he, I, he was placing the ball right at the fingertip of the wide receivers. And if he does that, you know, I think he may be able to pass on this defense, which is which is pretty good against the pass. Uh, I'll, I'll still take Green Bay, only because I think they're 
they're becoming a little bit of a team of destiny a little bit here. Um, and I think they've finding the running game also is going to help them. Alex, we got 10 seconds left in the show. Uh, we're going to, we're going to break down uh, the Jets Patriots game, uh, right in overtime. Thanks to the live. We're going to go to overtime for about, uh, another couple of minutes. So you can come back in the podcast and listen to Alex at overtime. Uh, okay, Alex, we're in overtime for, uh, red versus blue. The last game on the docket, the Jets at New England. Um, obviously, this game is uh, a battle of um, uh, epic proportion here. It's a divisional rivalry. It's the first time in playoff history that a team who has been beating the pants off of them uh, in a year have ever um, beaten the other team in the regular season and it still made the playoffs against each other. So it's the the first time that a team has ever blown out a team like the Patriots blew out the Jets, and the other team, the Jets, had beaten the Patriots, and now they've met in the playoffs. So I don't know what that means, but I do know this. The Patriots have had an epic second half of this season. They've completely revamped. Just when we thought losing Randy Moss, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do now? They completely revamped and remade their deep, their offense. Belichick's a genius. They've been absolutely on fire with an 8-0 record in the second half of the year. And, and not only 8-0, Alex, they've outscored these teams by a margin. I've got it right here, 299 to 125. Five of the eight second-half victims, if you want to call them, they were playoff teams. And four of those seven or four of those are the seven remaining playoff teams here in the, in the, in the playoffs. So it's been absolutely historic. It's been mind-blowing, this type of – this type of season we're seeing here in this passing dominance, I mean, it's, it's historic. So I think Sanchez is going to have to have a career day if, if, if they want to do anything in this game. I'm going to pick the Jets. Obviously, I've got to. I'm a Jets fan. Uh, but I would never bet on this game. And, and uh, 10 points, I, don't, I wouldn't even touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I mean, let, let's think about it. Uh, let's be serious here, okay? This is the playoffs, right? Um New England has been playing absolutely flawless. I mean, it, it, this isn't last year where they came in, you know, kind of hobbled and, you know, barely stopping the run, and uh, here came Baltimore and just ran all over them, right? I mean, they are playing flawless football right now on offense, and the defense is looking incredible where early in the year they did not uh, look that good. So Sanchez um, coming into New England, Foxborough, Belichick, Brady, uh, team playing perfect football. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you could uh, hope for uh, Sanchez to have a, a career game. But, you know, it's probably what's going to take because I'll tell you, the, the, the interesting thing is, and I think that's what happened in, in the, the other game where they scored 40, uh, they neutralize uh, what the Jets do, and which is, you know, with Revis, they, they put your uh, number one wide receiver out there on the island, and uh, then they – uh, man to man, and then they basically have the other ten guys, uh, pretty much creating havoc there. And and I think that's something that you cannot do in New England because who are you going to put Revis on? You know, uh, you know, you, there's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you want to put him on Welker, fine. Uh, well, you know, Brady will find whoever he needs to find. Uh, I mean, he basically, I, I don't think, I don't, I think, I mean, Woodhead could have just as much of an impact in this game as Welker. Or or uh, uh, Hernandez could have as much of an impact as Branch. I mean, you know, it's just they're playing incredible football and spreading the ball around. And uh, I don't think the Jets are uh, 
are going to be able to stop that. So that's and you know that's the Jets' bread and butter. So I'm, I'm really not sure how the Jets can win this game, quite frankly, unless uh, they really start to get lucky and get the ball bouncing that way. Well, look, don't don't think for one second that they didn't watch uh, that Colts Jets game. They definitely did. I'm sure they've watched the entire game because you don't shut Peyton Manning down like the Jets did, or you don't take him out of the game, basically. I mean, how did they do that? You saw it's the first time all year that the Colts have been held to one offensive touchdown. How did they do it? You know, you saw the game. They dropped everybody back in coverage, and they said, I dare you to run the ball. I'm going to bring three people. I'm not going to blitz because I can't get to you anyway. Our our pass rush is just virtually non-existent anyway, even when they – and you can't blitz Peyton Manning. He'll tear you a lot. They knew that, so they really out-coached Caldwell. See, they, they dropped everybody back into coverage, and they said, I dare you to run. And how many times did you see Peyton audible out of the pass that he had, the play call he had, and call a run? And sometimes that got him 10 yards. Sometimes it got him 8 yards. But it took Peyton out of the game, and he never once challenged Revis. I think that's got to continue. If you're the Jets, you've got to take Revis, and you've got to move him all over the field. You've got to line him up on Welker. You've got to line him up on Hernandez sometime. You've got to line him up. Uh, on Branch, you just got to move him all over. I don't know if that's going to be enough to confuse Brady because I don't think we've ever seen Brady really confused, right? But they didn't look very good against the Packers and that backup quarterback. They didn't look dominant. Uh, their defense hasn't looked dominant really all year. If they have any Achilles, like if, if, if the Bears' Achilles is the offensive line, the Patriots' Achilles is their secondary, right? I mean, they, they can be beaten over the top. So uh, if, if the Jets can do – some of what they did against the Colts and some of what they did against the Steelers, they really held down both of those offenses. It's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde team with the Jets. You don't really know which one you're going to get. And if they get the one that showed up last week, I think they got a chance. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they do. I think they've got a chance. But Sanchez has to play. Uh, he's got to have his best game of the year. They've got to ask him to do a whole lot more than they asked him to do against the Colts. You've got to have the run game, and you've got to have the passing game, and you've got to have the defense. You've got to have it all to beat uh, the New England Patriots. All right, let me go back real quick to what you said. Uh, the Jets confused, uh, or, or you said the Jets outcoached, or the Jets defense outcoached Cal- Caldwell. Uh, that is probably accurate. Uh, the problem is, uh, I mean, I think you and I can outcoach Caldwell. Uh, also, I, I don't know if you, you even, I mean, how do you outcoach a coach who doesn't really coach, who just stands there and listens to his, and, and, and gets his uh, orders from his quarterback, okay? So what the Jets did is they confused Peyton Manning and they outcoached Peyton Manning. And the reason why they outcoached Peyton Manning is because the Colts are a flawed team. I mean, you know, Peyton Manning doesn't really, didn't have the weapons, he didn't have the offensive line, didn't have the running game, and he didn't really, I mean, the defense maybe was, was still pretty good, but it certainly wasn't dominant. So, I mean, that's what happened. Now, let's look at this week, tomorrow, or this week's game. I mean, do you really expect to, for the Jets to confuse anyone? No, of course not. I mean, they're certainly not confusing Belichick. And uh, Brady, well, yeah, they may confuse him for a drive, for a drive or two, but they're not going to confuse him for long. So, yeah, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble finding what exactly the Jets need to do to uh, to win this game. I, I I'm not sure if they could play, even if they play perfect uh, perfect game, they can win this game. Well, you think a lot of Pittsburgh, and they did pull off a road win against Pittsburgh, so that showed me something, right? And then 
you know, New England, let's, let's just say that there's not that much difference between New England and Indianapolis. New England beat the Colts in Foxborough 31-28, to and it took uh, a, 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 an effort on all sides of the ball to beat Peyton Manning. They, they almost came back and won that game. So yeah, but I think uh, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember it uh, specifically, but I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh dominated that game, and then something happened towards the end, and the Jets got a few breaks, and they, they won the game. But uh, I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh, I, Pittsburgh. you know I mean? Yeah, the, the, the score was the Jets won, but I don't know if that's really uh, an example of, uh, of the Jets, you know, dominating the team, dominating a game. No, not dominating, just doing enough to win. And, and, you know, take your hater goggles off for a minute. See the Jets for what they are, that gang green. I know your heart bleeds green down deep inside, Alex. So, so just oh, for a minute, back and on Sunday night, enjoy the game. That's listen, all I'm saying. Just sit back and enjoy the game. I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not a, a, um, a Jet hater. I'm not a, a hater of your team, okay? I, but I do know history, and uh, – and your team doesn't really have much of it, sir. So uh, that's what I go by. Uh, you know, I look at I look at the history. I look at your players, and I look at your coach, and uh, then I look on the other side, and uh, then I make my evaluation. So, you know, I, I hope I hope you I hope you give them a game. I don't want to see a blowout. Believe me, I don't want to see a blowout. And uh, you know, quite frankly, if they win, I won't be unhappy. But uh, but no, yeah, I don't think it's happening. Sorry. Uh, start spreading the news. That's all I got to say. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. It was a lot of fun being back, and, and, and great job on the uh, FFPC contest. A lot of fun for all of us in the playoffs, and I'm sure we'll talk again in the offseason many, many times as we have nothing better to do but talk fantasy sports. So, Alex Kaganowski, thanks again for uh, for joining us, buddy. All right. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. All right, and that's it for Red versus Blue. We're going to wrap it up, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next Friday night. And uh, good luck to your teams and your playoff teams still alive. We've got some great new concepts and some new ideas to run past you. We're going to do that in the next couple weeks. Uh, From all of us at Red vs. Blue, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. 